This is an ABC podcast. New South Wales Votes, your guide to the state election with Sarah McDonald and Ashley Raper. Welcome to Matters of State. This is a weekly podcast that will keep you up to date with the New South Wales state election and bring you analysis that digs beneath the surface of the campaign trail. I'm Sarah McDonald, the host of Mornings on ABC Radio Sydney. And I'm Ashley Raper, New South Wales state political reporter for ABC News. And you may have been trying to avoid it. You may have been trying to ignore it, but the reality is the New South Wales state election is underway. Some are already voting. Crowds at pre-polling booths. Half a million postal votes, a record application. It seems a lot of people are going to be voting before Saturday. But At the same time, there's last-minute vote wooing. In just a moment, you will be joined by the Sydney Morning Herald State Political Editor for more insights about the changing strategies during this campaign. But first, Ash Raper, the ABC's political reporter, talk to us about what's happened in this last week. Well, to kick off the final week of the campaign, both Labor and, and the Liberals held a rally. Now, it was a bit US presidential style rally, but on a very, very smaller budget and and smaller scale. And Labor went to Parramatta, which is a seat that they are likely to steal or want to steal from the Liberals, and they're trying to flip the vote there. And the Liberals went to Penrith, and now that is a seat that's held by the former Minister Stuart Ayres, and he is fighting to retain that seat. It looks like he will perhaps hold on. So they both went west. They both did what is considered basically their last major policy announcements heading into the last week. The Libs went for the the hip pocket. Uh, They announced that they would reduce the cap on on the Opal. So currently, if you use your Opal card and you're a public transport user and you hit $50 for the week, then the rest of your fares are free for the rest of that week. They're going to lower that to to $40. Now, Labor went ideological with their announcement and they announced around the theme of anti-privatisation, which has been a key theme throughout this whole campaign. And what they announced is they want to change the New South Wales constitution so that they include Sydney water and Hunter water, which will it adds a bigger protection if you want to sell off Sydney water. So that was their, their two big pitches. They have been running on that so far in the final week. They're just now hitting the ground running. It's the final sprint to the It is the line. final sprint, but as we were hearing, record numbers of people voting before Saturday. So I wonder what kind of impact that will have on the night. Matters of State, New South Wales Votes, with Sarah McDonald and Ashley Raper. And joining us this week as a special guest is the Sydney Morning Herald State political reporter, Alexandra Smith. Let's talk about uh, this last week and how things have changed. It's all felt a little bit Oprah to me. You get toll relief, you get a faster tunnel, you get kids super plan. How much of this was pre-planned and how much was made up on the spot as the campaign has shifted, have you felt, Alex? I think it's really interesting. I think a lot of this felt very last minute, particularly the speed limit issue around the West Connects tunnel. You know, suddenly out of nowhere, we hear that the government thinks to improve productivity, you know, get motorists moving, get tradies to and from jobs more quickly, they should increase that uh, speed limit on that tunnel from 80 kilometres an hour to 90. Straight away, Chris Minns jumped in and said, yeah, good idea. Why not? I'll, I'll sign up to that too if I win government. Of course, what we now know is it can't just 
must be done unless Transport for New South Wales signs off at it and makes sure it's safe to do. So there are a lot of these policies that are emerging that feel very much like, hey, quick, look at us. We're still doing things. We've still got ideas. But they're very light on policy detail, really. And as you said, you know, are people really listening were they ever listening? I think it's particularly interesting there's still a lot of undecided voters. We had some polling recently in the Sydney Morning Herald over the last couple of days and it showed that 16% of people are still undecided about how they're going mm. to vote. And is know? this all about grabbing those people, these yeah, last-minute yeah, policies? Yeah, because they are the ones that, you know, either side really need those those voters. And I guess what both Labor and the Coalition are hoping is if they can claw as many of those undecided their way, it could tip them over the finish line. But I do also think in as much as, you know, I, I cover state politics and I'm very interested in, and engaged in it, but the reality is I don't think... The, the average voter is. It's very different to a federal election. There's bigger personalities. People sort of pay attention more. The reality is with state elections, they tend to just say, oh, that's right, I've got to turn up and vote. And I imagine people were walking past polling places over the last few days and thought, oh. I've got to do that? I'd better jump in and just do that That's now, happening? Rather yeah. than, you know, wanting to make some sort of statement or protest vote or whatever. Mm. And Ash, I mean, even even the Premier's big signature policy, uh, a lot of his own team didn't even know about it, the Kids Super Fund. Yeah, and I think as we head to Saturday, it's about capturing attention. And I do think that the Future Fund for Children did generate a discussion. There was debate. It did capture attention within the electorate. For the Liberals, whether it was positive or negative, it did generate conversation around that. And I think equally with, with Labor, why they're pursuing this line of attack on privatisation of Sydney water. I think internally they feel that that is cutting through with voters because it's quite a basic thing, selling off Sydney water, even though the government and the Premier has come out and said that they're not going to do that, they're not going to sell any assets in the next term of government. But Chris Minns and the Labor team are trying to pick and say, oh, you can't trust them, they're they're running this campaign on, on Sydney water because I think they feel that that is what is capturing the attention of Well, that's of been another change, the government saying no more privatisation as we've gone on in the campaign. But Alex Smith, how has it, has it been for Chris Minns to attract attention given that a lot of people haven't been paying attention? He's like, I'm here. Yeah, I think very difficult. I think the problem, you know, with opposition leaders, they always have trouble getting attention and being known. You know, Chris Minns is still largely unknown in the electorate. Uh, He's quite a new leader, but that said, so is Dominic Perrottet. You know, he's only been Premier since October 2021 when Gladys Berejiklian resigned. So they both had to sort of present themselves to the electorate. I think a lot of these policies that Dominic Perrottet has announced, particularly like the Kids Super Fund or the Kids, you know, Future Fund, however you want to describe it, was designed not necessarily just about votes for the Coalition or the Liberals, but also um, helping him to sort of grow his presence, you know, he, people knowing more about who he is, that he's a thinker, he, he likes big, bold ideas. So I think a lot of things that the Liberals have been trying to do is to keep growing Dominic Perrottet's, you know, how well he's known within the electorate, whereas Chris Minns has really struggled. You know, that's always the way. But, but I wonder if either of you think that him being so bipartisan during COVID and, say, not making big on the, the Nazi birthday um, party outfit that Dominic Perrottet came out and apologised for came out right at the beginning of all this, has that come back to bite him or is, do you think his mild manner is helpful with the electorate? 
I think Chris the Mims. electorate liked that because he came across as reasonable, um, collaborative. He, he he wasn't divisive or wanted to create a, a, a wedge in the electorate. And I think that that has carried through in the campaign. He does come across as being measured and thoughtful. But on the flip side, that's not exciting people. And when you need to capture attention and to get people to vote for you and believe in you as, as a leader, it is a challenge, especially with Labor running a small target campaign and just in terms of whether people are feeling inspired enough to change their vote to Labor. A lot of people inspired to register for voting online so they can do the postal vote. And that may mean we may not even get a decision on election night because there's been a lot of voters who are undecided and not really in love with either party. What do you think this will mean, Alexandra Smith? I think it means it's going to be very close. I think um, although on the current polling... The Labor Party is just ahead and you would expect at the moment, if the election was held right now, to for them to just scrape over the line, probably in minority government. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to be able to govern in their own right. But these last few days will still be really important. We spoke, you know, about these um, undecided voters. They've got to to make a choice about which way to go. But I still think it's it's incredibly close, which is very interesting for two reasons. You know, you've got an old government, 12 years, and they want another four. You There is that its time factor perhaps going against them. At the same time, you know, you've got a Labor Party who's run a fairly, it's a very safe campaign, as Ashley said, small target, but they haven't really made any major blunders. There's no, been no horrible, you know, um, collapses in uh, debates like we saw last time. And that with, was what the safety was all about. Perhaps. Yeah, of course. Right. So they didn't have kind of some disastrous, you know, collapse right towards <laughs> the end. But um, it also means it's really, really hard to call. And I think both sides would be very nervous at the moment. Matters of State, New South Wales Votes, with Sarah MacDonald and Ashley Raper. In the lead up to the election, the Greens uh, have been targeting younger voters. We talked about them last week, but if there's this undecided vote and there's voting for other parties, One Nation are hoping to capitalise on this. What are you hearing from One Nation? Because you couldn't get much more difference between the Greens and One Nation, Ash. Yeah, and look, Mark... Latham, the One Nation Party, are, are targeting different seats as well. They're targeting a number of seats in, in the West and they're also trying to increase their numbers in the Upper House. And what it could possibly do in Western Sydney is could split the Conservative vote if there is a mood for change on the ground in some of these Western Sydney seats and there is a One Nation candidate running. The vote might not go to Labor, it might go to One Nation. And now you don't know how that plays out with optional preferential voting in New South Wales. It's it's this problem. You don't know if people are going to just put one in the box or actually do preference flow. So so what that will mean. But really, in terms of the upper house, Mark Latham is running again. He resigned from his position, um, which Anthony Green says is not really in the spirit of what happens in the upper house because you have an eight-year term and he's resigned after four years to, to run again and he'll slot somebody else in his spot. So he could end up with one nation could end up with three or four MPs sitting in the upper house, which will change a lot the makeup. I don't know what you think, Alex, of the of the upper house. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we've seen through this term of parliament, the government didn't have control of the upper house. It made it very tricky for them to get through legislation, and of course, they were constantly hit with a process which is, you know, quite technical, but it's really powerful if you're in your opposition called a call for papers, where they can demand that the bureaucracy 
go around, fish out all these papers to, to really get to the bottom of some issues that obviously the government wouldn't talk about publicly. And that's been a huge, you know, the government has absolutely hated that. But that's what happens when you don't have the numbers in the upper house. If we see uh, One Nation get another person up, that will even further um, make it difficult for whoever is in government. And I think what's really interesting also about One Nation running in lower house seats, it's not so much about whether they'll get into the lower house. I think even Mark Latham's realistic there. But it's really possibly going to take some key votes from the coalition in some of these Western Sydney seats. And if we have a situation where the Conservative vote is splitting, because some people think, I want to vote Conservative, but I don't really want to keep voting for the the Liberals at this point. They've had their time. That will cause the Liberals a bit of problem, you know, a bit of grief in these seats that they're trying to either hold in Western Sydney or win. Here is Mark Latham talking about uh, if he would partake on a minority government if he gets seats in the lower house or in the upper house. Our position would be if we were to hold any lower house seats, and we'll certainly have upper house seats, uh, we don't deal with the Liberals as long as they've got Matt Keane there, who has destroyed the New South Wales Liberal Party. There is no Liberal Party left as long as Matt Keane is doing green energy, green preferences, green policies across the board. This guy is a cancer inside their party. You've only got to go out to Western Sydney and talk to people, and, and you've got Liberals by the drove saying, I voted for them for 30 years. Matt Keane, no more, never again. There's Mark Latham getting personal there on uh, Matt Keane. It's been a very presidential campaign, though, where we've just been focusing on on the leaders, you know, sort of the blue corner, the young premier, as energetic as a Duracell bunny, has seven kids, likes basketball, dunking massive policy announcements in the red corner, a mild-mannered, almost unknown opposition leader who likes playing his brother's Gibson guitar and abolishing the wages cap for teachers and nurses. Whoever wins, though, has huge economic challenges ahead, don't they, Ash Riper? Yes, they they certainly do. And look, in terms of dealing with the cost of living pressures, in dealing with with energy bills, but also just how they're going to deliver on these election commitments. Now, the Parliamentary Budget Office released their costings this week. They do in the week leading up to to the election. And and it was interesting to see how what, what they look like just in terms of net borrowing. Uh, the Parliamentary Budget Office found with the election promises that, that they would increase debt, Labor would reduce it in terms of capital expenditure. Uh, there is $3 billion that the coalition is going to to spend on that. But well, it's unfunded. Yes, so more than, than what was in the budget from their promises and looking forward, there's $3 billion there. But what was with Labor is that their signature policy abolishing the cap on the public sector wage on wages and pay rises, they can't cost that. And the Parliamentary Budget Office warned that that, that is a risk. And they, they did an example that even if you raise the wages by 1%, so at the moment it's so 3%, there is move, room for movement on productivity, but it's 3% and then 2.5% over the next few years, that if you just did that increased it by 1%, it would be $2.6 billion. So that would be significant savings that Labor would have to find. Now, they said, hey, we've already proved we can make savings in the budget, but there, there is a hole in this budget. And this is the coalition has tried to prosecute this the whole way along. They were right to question that, that this policy was problematic economically for, for the budget. And this is what's been revealed by the Parliamentary Budget Office. Alexandra Smith, what do you think about this? Because they've got their own budget black hole there. As Ash said, they have to come up against some pretty tricky things that they actually can't do a lot about. You know, state governments don't have many levers to pull, so they can't do a lot around, you know, lowering energy bills, lowering grocery bills, you know, mortgage rate increases. There's not a lot they can do. So they're going to have to do 
look for other areas where they can help people. Um, and obviously, you know, we've seen in this election campaign, which is quite interesting, a lot of money being handed to people, you know, in the sense of... Um, you get $250 just to see if you can get a better right. deal on your electricity. Essentially for Googling to see if you can switch providers. And that has the risk, of course, of being inflationary. You know, you hand out people, hand out money like that. Um, so both sides have a really tricky time ahead, no matter who wins. And I do think the wages policy is difficult for Labor because I'm not convinced they've prosecuted it as well as they could have. I mean, they've allowed the Liberals and the and the Nationals through the Coalition to be able to say, hey, look, they just haven't costed it. Put zero costing on it. How can that be? Well, the reality is it, it is zero at this point because we don't know what the productivity gains are going to be. They don't. We don't know what the unions are going to give up in order to get a pay rise. But it also made their argument a little weaker. And, it's and you know, I think there's probably a lot of sympathy for frontline workers to get a pay rise. On the back of the pandemic, I think a lot of people feel for teachers, certainly anyone who had to homeschool their children or <laughs> uh, and nurses as well. Yes. But at the same time, in tough economic times, I think voters do want to know that the budget's going to to be in order and there's not going to be black holes that other areas of key services will miss out on. Ash Raper is with me, the ABC state political reporter and Alex Smith, state political editor of the Sydney Morning Herald. In terms of who wins, well, maybe we'll know on election night, maybe we won't. What has gone well for each side on the campaign, do you feel, Ash, and what has gone badly? Look, I think both sides have had some spectacular own goals just in terms of some candidates. They've both had candidate problems. There's too many to go over <laughs> at this point, but they've both lost candidates for various problems and and especially the Liberals, they've had some factional infighting that has spilled over publicly, which has been problematic. But other than that, it has been quite a disciplined campaign from both sides, aside from that, more so with Labor. But just with Labor, I feel that they came out really strong and were making policy announcements and they... I feel that they came out almost too too early. They came out on January before the 8th. anyone was even listening. Yeah, January when people were still 8th. having sand in their cozies. Well, yeah, it was January the eighth that they did their their housing affordability measures, and I think they couldn't keep up the momentum the whole time, and they got a bit lost in in the middle of the campaign. Whereas the Liberals had some problems early on in the campaign with their factional infighting, but then seemed to get it together when people started engaging. More so. That's how it reflects so far on on how the campaign has gone. What do you think's gone well and badly? Both yeah, side, I, Alex. I, I tend to agree. I think that Dominic Perrottet late last year was having a lot of problems. He was, you know, he just got through the um, debacle around the John Barillaro trade appointment scandal that dragged on and on and just gave him no clean air. Then, of course, we had, as the new year approached, um, the revelation that he'd worn a Nazi uniform to his 21st birthday, which he had to deal with. It looks like it didn't actually damage him. It's amazing the photo hasn't come out. That's gone well for him. I think the photo never existed. None. Well, I mean, I think a photo existed somewhere, but I think it was just people internally. Like, let's not forget that was an internal hit job. That wasn't Labor Party trying to get Dominic Perrottet. It was his own people. So that was really quite problematic for the Premier. I mean, it's very hard to, to keep your confidence when your own people are up against you. But when he finally managed to get past all of that, um, he, I think he's shown to be quite strong. He's been disciplined. He's run, run quite a good campaign, really. It hasn't been very exciting. I mean, I've covered several uh, state election campaigns now. And I think this is probably the one that's 
had the least energy. Um, although I think in the last week or two, I've really noticed, and I'm not sure if Ashley agrees, but I really think both leaders have shown just how hungry they are to win. Whether that's enough, I mean, you, you've got to keep something in the tank for the very end, but whether it's it's enough to keep it right till the end and then come out, I'm not sure. But I think, I think, as Ashley said also, I think Labor came out strongly, but it probably petered off a little bit. I think maybe Chris Minns has found a bit of energy to sort of go the final distance and maybe... The Prime Minister was helping him the other day, having yeah. a beer together. Yeah. Let's see what, what happens with that. I mean, there's, you know, been train issues as well over the course of the campaign. We've had the fish kill kind of little things going along the way that may influence people's vote, but perhaps people have already decided a lot voting early in the pre-polls and we were hearing about people crammed into some of the halls yesterday. Can you tell us a story from the campaign we may not have seen that's entertaining or interesting either of you. What happened we may have missed that was fun, exciting, amazing? Well, I can tell you, I don't know how how fun, exciting, amazing this campaign has been. I've got to be honest with you. One thing that struck me, and it's, it, you know, people may have noticed, but I thought it was really interesting when Dominic Perrottet had yet another problem when he had his uh, two of his brothers who seemed to be embroiled in some factional problems within the Liberal Party, they couldn't be found no. to uh, turn up to a parliamentary inquiry. That was not ideal for the Premier. Like, um, but what I thought was very interesting, he was at one point the Premier got very angry and said, keep my family out of this, which is fine. Except after that, we've seen nothing but his family. You know, the Premier has rolled out his wife, his children, understandably. But I think you can't really have it both ways. You know, when the when my family's behaving potentially badly, don't look at them. But when I can roll out my cute kids and, and my wife, then that's all right. And I just, I do wonder if voters get a little bit cynical about that. You know, um, he really wanted to, to set himself up as the family man, which is obviously he does when you've got seven children. But at the same time, when things weren't going well, he was quite critical of people even going near his family. So I found that an interesting moment in the campaign. Ash? Oh, look, it all is a bit dull. But there was one moment that I just really like because it just shows the length sometimes that political parties go to to prosecute their case. And this, this happened a number of weeks ago and the Premier stood up with the Treasurer and his office had worked out a PowerPoint presentation. It was this very basic 10-slide PowerPoint presentation. This is the exciting part of the campaign. <laughs> But I yes, well, this but it shows <laughs> doesn't it say at do. all really? It was about the public sector wages, and they were trying to point out the evils of that. They even had a quote that they'd found from the former Labor minister's Frank Sato's book from from twenty eleven. But it, they were so excited about this, and they thought you know went into this that this would just be amazing, and. The reporters were all sitting there, just were just bemused, thinking. And I've never seen something that just fell so flat from from the intention of what they were trying to do. And yes, it, the argument they were trying to make, as we've spoken about with the wages policy, is legitimate. But what what they do and how they thought that it would be a good idea to try and sell this to the media to get yep. out their message for the campaign. Oh, I shouldn't have asked that question. Uh, in a couple of minutes that we have left, uh, you know, as we've been hearing, it could be very close. There could be a, a crossbench that have some influence. Would either of you like to make a prediction? No. Um, but I'll make one prediction, okay. that the coalition won't win in majority. That's as, probably as far as I'm prepared well, to. And I'll I'll tell you that, don't that. they? They're, yeah. They're yeah. saying that. No one will criticise me for saying that. I, I think every the coalition would agree with me on that. Yeah, and I, I agree too. I think that the big question is, has Chris Minns and Labor done enough to flip enough seats. It's nine for majority, whether they can get to either four or five to be in a position to form minority um, it, it is the question. Look, I think you'd prefer to be Labor at, at this point going 
going into the election, but it, it is going to be so close. I do have one other small prediction. I don't think there'll be a teal wave. I don't think we'll see any sort of repeat of the federal election. We may get one or two absolute tops, but there won't be that wave down the Sydney's North Shore and that we saw in um, the federal election. And initially at the beginning of this campaign, the Liberals were very worried about that. But I, my prediction is we certainly won't see that. Because for all the hype, that didn't happen in Victoria. Either. No, different yes, situation. This is a different situation. Yeah. Well, let's see. Election night may tell us or it may not. Will we get a result on the night? Who knows? Ash will be on the telly. Uh, Alex Smith will be working for the Sydney Morning Herald as their state political editor. Richard Glover and I will be on the radio. Thank you both so much for our election podcast. The last one as we lead into the election, we'll wrap it up after the election. Thanks to both of you. Thank Thanks, you. Sarah. If you'd like to tell us what's driving your vote and why you'll be voting the way you are, call our election hotline on 8333-1702. And remember to follow Matters of State on the ABC Listen app so you never miss an episode. Matters of State, New South Wales Votes, with Sarah McDonald and Ashley Raper. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.